Okay, Jacob, for this game, we are supposed to play people in a rural community in a cyberpunk setting. So this is like 2200 something. Okay. And I am interested in doing the kind of trope of like kind of a rural hermit, someone Mm. who like really has kind of isolated themselves from the modern world. But this game takes place at what they're calling a way station. So that's where at least like when you need supplies, you come down off the hill and you all meet at the way station. So uh, let's make a character connection because I really want to LARP with you. All right. I think that uh, how about my character... My character is the one that you almost uh, that you you talk to, and like I'm the one who almost supplies you with like you know food and that kind of stuff. Oh, you're like the one person that comes around, and I do not shoot when yeah, you're on my yeah. property. I'm like the link that like you know lets you get like the few things that you need from the outside world. So, if you're the person who does set me up with some things from the outside world, why have you brought me to the way station? Are you sick right now? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think maybe I have been refusing to admit that I'm sick. But I know you quite well by now. Yeah, you're like the only human person I see. Yeah, and I've seen you for years right now. Like it's, it's I see a little bit of a change like based on just knowing you. Oh boy, so you are going to try to talk my hermit off the hill. Yeah. And we're going to be at the way station. Mm-hmm. So you succeeded at talking him off the hill, but now you got to make him actually sit down with... Oh, you know... I have a friend who is going to play an android yeah. who is a doctor. Yes, the medical android. Yes. I think that my hermit, of course, is like doesn't like modern technology. You're going to have to have like a really juicy scene where you are begging me to like sit down with this android and get over my prejudice. I love it. Yes, yes. And then I'll get to apologize for being a prejudiced jerk. Alrighty, let's do it. Yes. Welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today, I'm joined by Marshall. Hello. And we are going to be talking about, well, his gamer story and how he started, you know, jumping into the world of LARPs here in the DC area. But first, before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing. One of the things that we actually both played recently was Fiasco. Yeah, that's right. The new Fiasco in a Box by Bully Pulpit Games. Yeah, and this is actually one of my first real Fiasco experiences. I wanted to play Fiasco. I've had the book for a long time. Every time I've tried to do it, it just hasn't panned out, either the people or the setup or something like that. Many other things in your life has been Fiascos, but... Yeah, exactly. Not the actual game. Exactly, pretty much. But we sat down, we got to play this, we played the Main Street scenario, and I'll say that it was a lot of fun. We had some very interesting characters there, and the story about the Mink Farm is one that I will not uh, soon forget, for sure. (laughs) Pretty much what what we had was I was playing Big Dan Morley, who was like a straight edged cop uh, in this little town. And you were playing Brenda Gonzalez. Yes. Not Brenda Rodriguez, as I kept on screwing up during the thing. But uh, Brenda Gonzalez, who was the mink farm owner after a hostile takeover, who was trying to start a mink link sausage fast food joint and bribe the sheriff in order to make it happen. Exactly. And 
you know, also worked with Bobby Ricardo as like the main chef there, while I was the one who held the secret recipe. Oh, yes. Your family recipe that I needed to get my hands on in an almost Cruella de Vil fashion. Yeah, it ended up going that way. I mean, the game itself, I think we had a lot of fun with it. We, oh, yeah. We definitely like jumped right on in and had everything like you know conspiracy theories we had one one person who was just a complete conspiracy theorist like you know who put us behind bars i am the left hand of the law kind of thing (laughs) and and then we had like the whole brenda and peggy dort who uh who was the sheriff like you guys just trying to get like this thing to work and trying to like not get like the inspected or anything like that and fiasco was partially inspired by like Coen Brothers films and similar things of, I think the tagline is powerful ambition, poor impulse control. And it totally had that absolute zany, terrible ideas, ultimately violent story that you just cannot predict going into the game at all. Oh yeah, I had no idea where I was going, even from the very beginning where it was just like, uh, I forget who played the mink farm card, which is one of the really cool things about the game. Was, that was me. Yeah. I made okay. sure we had that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So like one of the cool things about the game is that you have these cards that you now play between all the players. You know, you've got the um, the relationship cards and then you've got the objects, locations and all that. And then the mink farm came up and it was just like, okay, now everything is going to center around this mink farm. Everything. <laughs> And I imagine each playset, because these cards were coming from a playset that had a certain setting, ours being yeah. that random suburban town, have like one or two cards that if they're played, it all just hinges on those because they're so juicy. But oh, yeah. when you decide to play that playset, you don't know which is going to come up. Exactly. You don't know which is going to come up, which anyone's going to play, and even like where it's going to be played. Exactly. If it's going to be between yeah. you and the person on your right or all the way across the table and who's going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, one of the cool things about this is that, you know, you can play the relationship between two other people or like the object between two other people. Yeah. And just be like, all right, well, I see that you are like, you know, your relationship is corrupt official and... And, and the like, person doing the yeah, corrupting. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and then it was like, all right. Well, now add the mink farm or something like that, or like the secret recipe between like the two church friends, which were which was my character and the sheriff Peggy. Yeah. So it's fun to be able to like mess with the story and be like, oh, this is a perfect fit between these two people, or this is a perfect fit for this relationship. And I know I really want to see my friends play exactly this connection. Yeah. Or argue over a mink farm. Yep. Let's throw it across the table to them. Exactly. And so I th- I think all in all it came out really really well yeah for sure but that's not the only kind of storytelling game that you've been playing recently <laughs> you have recently gone and played some velvet noir yes this is uh a larp that i really want to draw attention to it just started and is doing some really clever and intense things in the space mm-hmm. now larp along with a lot of other nerdy passions has a problem of being really way too white. And that limits the stories that we're hearing and limits the people that we get to play with. Velvet Noir is a little bit different because it's it's... black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even more than that, because uh, it's about uh, the crime families Mm -hmm. in the 1920s, specifically of marginalized groups. Oh, So they have created a fictional city with a capital C, just the city, Mm -hmm. that has a 
pan-Asian gang, a Jewish gang, a predominantly black gang, a Latinx gang. Mm -hmm. And when you go to play these games, they have staff that have been hired from those communities to write about the actual historical experiences. They have staff that are there to be the ones in charge Mm -hmm. to really draw attention and make sure those stories are being told right. And then there's lots of different people who show up for the game because it feels like a space where they're going to be respected and their stories are going to be told, which means you get to tell amazing stories. Like a lot of this, let's be real, is completely relevant to today. Yeah. And we had to deal with like a treasury department raid where they were coming to pour out all our alcohol. And that had the really most important touch of if you go as someone who is white, and cisgender Mm -hmm. uh, and male you can do a couple important things one is practice being a better ally which i found really valuable Mm -hmm. understanding when to like take the step back but also you know have my own story but make it about how i learned to engage with people who are different from me better Mm -hmm. but also as happens with a lot of larps not all but a lot uh you might be asked to npc You are a non-player character. You are there to interact with the player characters in a way that furthers their story. And I got to be a member of the Treasury Department and walk in with a billy club and a gun Hmm. and let people tell the story of being threatened and harassed and interrogated by someone who is not going to treat them fairly Mm -hmm. or right at all. And that's something called playing dangerously in LARPing. I mean, pretty obviously exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to find a space that was so comfortable to play dangerously in. That comes from years and years and years of LARP getting better and better at safety mechanics and being really mindful in the community building. And uh, if you have the guts and you want to be a sexy, dangerous gangster in the 1920s, but also talk about race in a really meaningful way, Holy crap, you guys. Velvet Noir is doing it right. That is really fascinating. And so I'm actually, you, you brought this up a little bit. The demographics of this, like, what was what were the demographics of the players? Was it just still hmm. mostly white or did, did it actually bring in like some of these other people? I know you had like people who were helping write from the community, but were there more players of that sort? There were, but there can always be more. An interesting thing, though, is it also was a really queer, almost queer normative community for sexuality and for trans people, which also helped with, you know, they also were, of course, really marginalized then and today. So having them there and telling their stories was also really tremendous. That sounds like a a lot of fun. It sounds like a really interesting LARP and sounds like you had a good time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then there's one other one that I wanted to ask you about. And that's masks. Yeah. Now, this is at least one thing that's not a LARP that I'll talk about okay. this podcast. Because masks is um, a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop. Mm-hmm. And my table loves Monster Hearts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know pretty popular Powered by the Apocalypse game by Avery Alder, where you play these... It's a supernatural romance. Mm-hmm. So kind of inspired by Twilight and kind of like kind of corny cw play yep yep. but is also inspired by the designer's actual experience being you know just a 
queer trans teenager and feeling like a monster and all the monster types that you play are inspired by actual ways in which people are kind of garbage at doing romance as a kid oh okay and my table loves that and we've played it to about as much as i my bag of tricks is kind of getting expended yeah so i found out about masks which is uh instead of uh supernatural romance it is teen superheroes okay so it still has that feeling of you know still discovering yourself Mm -hmm. and instead of making it about rolling to use your superpower that kind of comes up but it's just as much rolling to feel like you're respected by your superhero team roll to see like like all your stats are actually how you feel about yourself oh wow okay it's fascinating yeah so i finally got to try that I had a great time playing this kind of the thing esque mm-hmm. character who was just so uncomfortable about her body. Yeah. And that was an amazing thing to explore. So masks, if you like monster hearts is totally a nice next step to play an emotional kid. That's amazing. I know that uh, Greg has mentioned monster cars a few times. Actually, he's played it once or twice and he really liked it. So hopefully he'll get a chance to try this one out as well. Oh, yeah, and you should play, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm always up for another RPG. I I love that kind of stuff. But there you have it. That's a look at what we've been playing. Alrighty, everyone. So to reiterate, today we're here with uh, Marshall Bradshaw, and uh, he is a theater critic for No Proscenium, which does immersive theater-type blogs. And he also runs the DC area LARPers Facebook group. So he's really into the theater and LARP communities here in DC. So we wanted to talk to him about, well, mostly LARPing. So first, could you just give us a little bit of background about your gamer story? So how'd you start in in gaming? How'd you start in getting into this type of stuff? Oh yeah, totally. I have a pretty standard background for the start of gaming, which is of course like, finally trying D&D in high school and finding out about Settlers of Catan and realizing that board games were more than just Monopoly and sorry. But then I think the first thing that really kind of made my journey a bit more unique was discovering Fiasco. Uh, We played the newest edition, Fiasco Mm -hmm. in a Box, with all these cards, but it actually came out originally in its first edition 10 years ago. Yeah. And the thing that really grabbed me in that game was how character goals and player goals could be different. It's just a one shot. This is the only time you'll ever meet your character. And it's kind of fantastic if they go down in absolute flames and agony. Yeah. Especially if they totally deserved it. I remember (laughs) a great game of just set in the wild west and my corrupt sheriff, incredibly high on opium, like, outside of the whorehouse screaming i love you maribel and then like nitroglycerin blowing up the place and (laughs) that kind of play really it really got me to be interested in telling these weird stories Mm -hmm. that can be self-contained and get really strange and not good for my characters and how much i can take joy in seeing their lives go totally crazy which is really interesting because a lot of times, like, you know, we get into our characters and like, you know, it's like we want to see them succeed. But sometimes you want to tell a fun story. It actually might mean that your character does blow up in a 
shrapnel-filled glycerin explosion. Yes. And I think uh, what got me into LARP was how I originally was doing a whole lot of theater. As you mentioned, right now I'm doing immersive theater reviews. I've also performed with TBD Immersive and I'm on the board for the tarot reading here in D.C. Mm -hmm. And way back when I was doing a lot of improv and Shakespeare, you know, with the good nerdy kids and realized that there was a lot of overlap in my friends who were willing to just tell a story around a table or tell a story standing up and acting Mm -hmm. it out. Improv also kind of fed into the lessons I was learning from Fiasco, where when you are doing a scene with someone, you got to have some give and take. You kind of want to see the power dynamic shift. And if I'm playing the person who starts the scene with a lot of power, I want to lose that power as the scene goes on. Yeah. Which means like I had always heard about LARP. Mm-hmm. And like most people, I had just thought of it as D&D standing up, padded sticks in the woods. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of good. But, you know, I'll go one of these days. I guess it kind of has, a, kind of has a, an upfront cost of getting gear. Mm-hmm. And like costuming. So uh, one day, bucket list item, bucket list item. Yeah. But then I went to MAGFest, the yeah. music and gaming festival down at National Harbor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's primarily about video games and video game related music, but it's big enough that you can really find what you're most excited about and get lost in just it. I always tell people I, I've only gone to one concert at MAGFest over the years, and that's because I was being chased by a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean that's i guess one really good reason of going to a concert if you're gonna lose the zombie in the concert crowd and it was a pretty good concert too oh there you go benefits and they have um this one room set aside for larp and that's where i discovered larp through a couple games mm-hmm. so i was coming into this as an actor i was like let me show off my acting chops so the first one was vampire the masquerade which very well known absolutely as a tabletop and as a larp if you know about the D standing up larps and you know about one more larp than that it's probably vampire the masquerade where you're playing a whole bunch of vampires in a secret society in an urban setting and for that i decided to play a bruja which is this really heavy hitting anarchic like anti-authority group of vampires and i just like Mm -hmm. threw my shoulders forward and leaned in and tried to be as heavy as possible and named my character ben hull like the hull of a ship about the size too (laughs) exactly and i i I was thinking about it as an actor yeah and then the next night the crew at magfest which is damocles thread development Mm -hmm. because it's a video game convention they will take kind of generic LARP rules that they've refined and like playing with and then slap a video game on top of it Yeah, in a pretty successful way, I must say. Mm-hmm. And the next night it was Mass Effect. Which, well, that is prime area for LARP. Oh, yeah. I mean, people love the storytelling in Bioware games. It had this fleshed out world. And I went from big, heavy Ben Hull to throwing my shoulders back, putting some fingers together and being this futzy quarian Yep. Who was, you know, part C-3PO, part pyromaniac mm-hmm. and had my voice up and had my back straight and told an entirely different story about this guy who wound up airlocking a whole bunch of criminals. <laughs> and that was delightful. Mm-hmm. So I was having a lot of fun. And then came 
a completely different experience altogether. Mm -hmm. And the thing that made me fall in love with LARP, which was the 10 a.m. LARP slot. Okay. Which is not an enviable slot, but when you have people show up for it, they Mm -hmm. are there to LARP. They want to. They've had their coffee. They've woken up. Mm -hmm. They're going to make it happen. Yep. And that's when I discovered um, what I will call freeform LARP. Mm -hmm. Because... Every terminology in LARP is a little a little loosey-goosey, and every LARPer can talk to you for eight hours about all the different terms. But it was um, a game called The Paradise Machine. Mm-hmm. In it, we were in this vague setting that could be steampunk, could be Conan the Barbarian, could be anywhere in between. But all we knew is that there were gods, they walked the earth, And we all had had a run-in with the gods in this very ancient Greek way. Mm -hmm. But there was a prophecy that once humanity can create a machine that can do miracles, then the gods will vanish. Mm. And we played a council of the just ruling class of whatever nation we were in. The priest caste and the scientists all coming together because, oops... The scientists have created that machine and the gods have vanished and all of a sudden society is breaking down around us. Okay. And I was so fascinated by this setup and fascinated by the character creation that I had no time to think about my body and think about who I was going to play. And like, all right, well, I did heavy. I did light. What's next? So I wound up pretty much just being me Hmm. in a completely alien setting, but. I was bringing all my own reactions, my own body, my own mannerisms into play, which was tremendous given where that game went. Yeah. I had three amazing things happen. First of all, like I said, I was an actor, but I had the most amazing experience I'd ever had as an actor. Yeah. Because I was performing in front of these other people and I full on just cried. Mm -hmm. That's something I, I don't know if... I had ever really done on stage, maybe gotten slightly teary-eyed, but I just cried in this game. Additionally, I got to really apologize to someone who I hurt very deeply and who meant a lot to me. Hmm. Someone who was playing like the best friend of my character, who was playing the head priest, and I was playing one of the scientists, and I had to go up to the head priest and just say, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know the effect that it would have. I am so sorry. We are destroying your entire life and maybe the world. Yeah. Can you forgive me? And that player totally rose to the occasion and like embraced me. And it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the third thing is I found out what I would say to God. Well, there you go. That's one thing. Slight spoilers. Yeah. I met them at mm-hmm. the end of the game. So... Because I was playing pretty much me, I got to have that conversation. Yeah. But honestly, it was the second thing, Mm -hmm. the apology that was the most important to me. Because these are the kinds of things that when they happen in your real life, Mm -hmm. you're going to wish you had more practice. Yeah. And for most people, there's no such thing as practicing that. Yeah, that's true. But... It's now actually kind of become a little bit of a uh, a habit of mine. In so many LARPs, mm-hmm. I find ways to apologize to someone dear to me because I am just so greedy 
to a have that fun emotional angsty moment but also just to get that life practice and yeah. deal with something really important that really matters to me yeah that's really cool and i i think that that's one thing that you had mentioned earlier actually that larps are able to like almost bring this out and you've had a few of these experiences where like either they brought something like that out for you or for someone that you know yeah i mean when i wound up playing pretty much me i didn't really realize what i was doing but that's a very known about concept called playing for bleed mm -hmm. now bleed is the idea of the emotions of a character and player interacting bleed in is when the player's emotions affect the character and bleed out is when the character's emotions affect the player yeah a really simple example of this would be if you were playing Monopoly with someone and afterwards you're like, that ruined our friendship. Mm -hmm. That is bad bleed out. Yep. And it's bad bleed in if, you know, you're just kind of annoyed at someone you know, before the game starts and then you really, really want to see them fail during your game of Monopoly. Yep. However, in LARP, it can be a little bit more productive than in Monopoly. Yeah. Thank God. Luckily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are not productive and Monopoly is probably one of the top ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a level of hell. Yeah. Especially so, with house rules. <laughs> God, yeah. So with LARP, people will purposefully play characters that are like them or dealing with things similar to what they're dealing with to kind of experiment with them. Like I mentioned with Velvet Noir, there are a lot of people playing with real life stressors that, you know, weigh on them. And they want to have a scene where they deal with getting roughed up by a cop yeah. and then find out what it's like to stand up to the cop or kind of survive only by the skin of your teeth when your friends save you. Mm-hmm. I also had an amazing experience during a game that I co-designed with my friend Jacqueline Brick, who was the woman who designed Paradise Machine, where a friend played our game and thanks to it, realized that they were non-binary and was really exploring their gender through play. And I feel so complimented that they felt safe in my space, the game that I created and the community that I was a part of, and were willing to just explore themselves in that really tremendous way and now i have this friend who knows themselves better that is absolutely amazing it's almost like you're you're really just like pushing and trying to like you know see like you're playing these different characters but sometimes you don't realize just how much they reflect upon you mm. and it's as as you're playing through these kinds of things whether it's an rpg or i know still people like to make the video games or anything like that with with that in mind and you, you'll learn something. It's like people think, oh, you're just playing a game. But there's a lot more to it than that, depending on how like invested you can get into it. It's a little corny. Mm -hmm. But I like to think of it as every character you create has something to teach you. Especially yeah. seeing how I like leaning towards one-shot games where, mm -hmm. all right, I'm going to usher this character into the world. And I'm going to put them through the ringer. I'm going to try to give them exactly the experiences that will most challenge them and make them grow and at the end i will learn something about them and about me and about the world like there's something in larp called de-rolling yeah so especially important after a very emotional game where you'll be out of character and you'll just sit with the people that you played with and you'll talk about maybe something someone else did that was cool 
something that was just really emotional for you, whether or not it was good or bad. So you can kind of just air out all these big emotions that you're having. But the really important one that I love bringing up is, you know, what are you going to take away from your character? What are you going to learn and try to keep? Like what cool thing about how they looked at the world, typically given the crowd, their confidence. And what do you leave behind? What do you want to just say, okay, that was interesting to explore, but I do not need to have the way this character uses people or the way this character was so afraid to love. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And I think that this really brings us to like why we LARP. Why is it that like, you know, people like Mm -hmm. to do this kind of a, a medium for storytelling and for interacting with other people with like this other kind of pretext. It seems like the kind of thing that like each person has a little bit of their own, their own reason, but it really is like, you know, inhabiting someone else's or or like maybe even your own like kind of fantasies about yourself or other people around you and things like that. Is that really like uh, how, how it is for you? Is that like, you know, something that you really like about LARP or like, why is it that you love this medium so much? Oh man, so many reasons. I mean, it's important to stress that there are so many different types of LARP. Like there are the ones that evolved from various tabletop games getting on their feet. They're the ones that are far more from a kind of theatrical standpoint or maybe even evolving from drama therapy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are fun. But for the reasons why I LARP, one is that practicing really important emotional things like making apologies or like falling in love. Additionally, and something that's important for, I think, a lot of people for a lot of role-playing games, be they LARP or tabletop, is getting practice just being social in a setting where we know how the rules work. Yeah, We have the community standard set. Everything is pre-planned, and we are going to feel like we belong in this space during the game. Mm -hmm. In a kind of bigger picture way, I have two really kind of fluffy theories about LARP. Go for it. All right. Well, one is that I think when we LARP, we are using the same muscles as when we dream. Okay. Because we are just kind of reacting to things and trying to build a story that makes sense and activating that part of our brains that just thinks in stories. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to come up with a framework that feels right. And when you are totally just vibing with the people that you're LARPing with, it has an almost dreamlike quality as this little bubble universe that you're creating together. Just go somewhere that you could never predict, but feels like it had to go there. Mm -hmm. And then another idea that is kind of a recent thought of mine. I like LARPs that have as few rules as possible. Yeah. As a little crunch. Mm -hmm. which is a word I'm sure we're totally familiar with for all sorts of games. Yep. And there are LARPs with a lot of crunch, and those are perfectly fun for people who are looking for that. And there are some that strip away rules and strip away rules and strip away rules until it gets really down to the nitty-gritty of just interacting with two people in a setting. And I think the thing that you're left with is always the rules of society. Mm Mm-hmm the rules of just two people interacting. You can even strip away the setting of, you know, doing fantasy or sci-fi and bring it down to even more realistic stuff. I wrote a game inspired by my own personal experiences and that of my friends with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. 
It's a game where you play three emotions in the head of someone who is trying to decide whether or not to go to the 2017 Women's March in D.C. Mm -hmm. And you have only 45 minutes until your friend with a car shows up to drive you guys down to D.C. And that's when you have a flare-up of your MS. And it's fascinating to just talk to two other players about some real life stuff and interact in that really real way. That is amazing. Yeah. That is some very heavy stuff. I'm sure. Like, yeah, there's, there's some, <laughs> and then there are loads that are super light. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, I guess that brings me to the next point, which is for someone who is interested in this, who is like, you know, heard some things here that they, they've thought that they want to explore more. How do you get into lore? What is it? Where should you start? Or like, how how does all this work? Yeah, that is a very difficult question because there are so many different types of LARP, so many different genres, and there's going to be a game that's right for you. You might need to try a few. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's probably going to be many games that are right for you because we're not all looking for only one thing. Yeah, A good way to learn about LARPs, I think, is, of course, I'll rep dc area larpers which is a facebook group that has a really big variety of games represented i feel Mm -hmm. really proud about that we try to be genre agnostic and say like yeah here are some cool boffer larps here are some cool free forms i would say things that are kind of local to the dc area check out velvet noir that's in pennsylvania if you want a full weekend experience but you can also find a lot of things that will fit in your living room that you can play right now with the people that you play D&D with or even just play board games with. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing website called the Golden Cobra Challenge at goldencobra.org. That is really just this thriving community of American freeform LARPs. And what I mean when I say American freeform LARPs is things that run with as little prep as possible with as few demands as possible. It was really created by some LARPers who wanted more games that if they were at a convention together, they're finally seeing their friends and they want to play a game with them, but all they have is a spare room somewhere, Mm -hmm. they can make a really cool game happen. And it's been running for years now, each year, creating scores, if not at this point, hundreds of free, free form games. Wow, yeah including one of mine if you want to try out harvest festival unfortunately it does require a lot of players and some origami paper but do hit me up and tell me how it goes if you play it definitely and one of my favorite games period of just any type of game the best game it's an apples and oranges comparison but i really want to pitch this game Mm -hmm. was originally a golden cobra game you can find it there though i recommend going on the website of the designers because they have refined it over the years it's called sign Okay. Sign is a freeform LARP. It takes about two hours. You play it in a living room and a dining room will work perfectly fine. It's about six to ten players plus a facilitator. It's the story of Nicaraguan Sign Language, which was created in the 1970s when the government of Nicaragua brought all these deaf children to a government-run school. And this was the first time these kids had ever been around another person who was deaf let alone peers yeah so you play a bunch of kids and you all have a reason why you're kind of upset and stressed out i mean you're just taken away from home and you miss your family you miss your dog 
you maybe also have dreams. You want to be an architect. You want to be a, an author. And you want to share that with your new friends, but there's no talking in this game. For two hours, you are silent. And I've run it over a dozen times now. And when you run it, you're the teacher. So you get to kind of yeah. like boss the kids around, give a little bit of candy to your favorite kid. and mm -hmm. But by the end of the game, when they come in and they're talking to each other, I have no idea what they're saying. It's fascinating. And it's also a game that perfectly melds being a really intellectually satisfying experience. Mm -hmm. When I played it for the first time at Gen Con, I felt my brain wrinkle <laughs> as I learned this language. Yeah. But also it was just so dang wholesome because mm -hmm. you're just kids who are looking for someone who will listen to them. I had a friend play it who then went on to write a blog post about it. And she said, like, I have social anxiety and I have never felt more listened to than when I was playing sign. And oh my God, my heart melted. Yeah. Which is a long way of saying, look up sign by yep. Thorny Games. It's like 20 bucks and you might make your friends cry, but you'll definitely teach them some wild sign language that will put a wrinkle in their brains. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing. Uh, I'll definitely have to try that at some point. But I think we're going to finish off with one of the questions that we ask a lot of our uh, guests here on the show. And that is, what's your favorite donut? Oh, Boston cream, no doubt. Like, I need something to break up just the the dough mm -hmm. i support that decision i like boston boston cream is definitely up there as one of my favorites as well hell yeah Alrighty. well marshall thank you very much for joining us on this episode of dragon's demise and definitely check out dc area larpers there's a lot of cool stuff there also check out no proscenium see some of his reviews on there and yeah thank you all for joining us